Roberts, I'm glad you're here today. Amen. Hey, this praise team did an amazing job. Sister Jackie, great job, all the praise team. I love it. I love it. Y'all can be seated. I, I got a couple things to say. Um, who in here volunteers on the cleaning team around here? Do we have any cleaning team? Okay, there's some trash over here on the front row. It's a, it's a ball. It didn't take me long. Right, where's Jessica today? She knows who she is. There's not a Jessica. She's not here yet. She knew I was coming for her too. <sighs> she made a little comment yesterday, and I said, well, guess who gets the mic today? Anyway, God bless y'all. It is great to be here. Would you put that first slide up, please? As Brother Dornbach mentioned, uh, I am the, uh, the vice president of the UPC Loan Fund. Now, many of y'all may not be familiar with the Loan Fund, but 10 years ago, Brother Jury launched the UPC Loan Fund. This is, our again, our 10-year anniversary. We have now loaned out over $100 million to United Pentecostal churches, and not a single church has defaulted on a loan. That is amazing. That's a miracle. And I praise God for it. Even through COVID, all of that, we didn't have a single church get into any, any serious situations there, and I, I, I praise God for that. You say, well, where does that money come from that we loan out? It comes from uh, districts, it comes from churches, it comes from people just like you who invest in the loan fund. So for you all, we have a little slide up here just to promote. If you have a savings account, if you have uh, CDs in a local bank, if you have IRAs, anything like that, and you would like to invest that money in the kingdom so that we can continue loaning money to churches, I believe there's a church in, in Liberty that's hopefully going to be borrowing some money to build on a new place over there, y'all. Come on. We drove around that yesterday. It's exciting. I, I hope I get to do the loan on that, Brother Dornbach. I, I know you've got business decisions to make, but uh, hopefully I'm loaning you the money. And it would be awesome if some of that money came out of investments from people in these pews right here. That would be pretty cool. And obviously, as you can see by our interest rates, we're paying way over what the local banks pay because, well, we're not here to make money for stockholders. We're here to bless you as an investor. We're here to bless the kingdom. We're here to roll the profits back into the kingdom and see the kingdom of God continue to grow and flourish. And it's amazing. The outlook for the loan fund is incredible. If you want to learn more about that, you can feel free to see me after service. We'll be glad to, to share more with you. All right. There's some kids here that want to have some fun this morning. I may be 45, but I'm a big kid at heart. <laughs> And, I, and I, I, I tried to pick a different song this morning, but I, I just couldn't do that. Some of y'all were here last night. You know what's about to happen. You know, as a child of God, you are a light in this world. You're not supposed to just be a Christian in this building. But wherever we go in this dark world, we are supposed to share the light of God, the hope, the glory, the peace, the joy. We should be sharing that wherever we go. And if you've been raised around church, there was a song that you learned in Sunday school. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Come on, y'all. This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. some help. Where you at, Elle? Come here, baby. Where's it at? Now, when I got here this morning, I, I was, I got out of the car, 
And a young man said, I brought my harmonica. Come here, buddy. Don't shake your head. Come here. Come here. You going to disobey the man of God? What's the deal here? I thought you were. You cannot show up and show me a harmonica and then not walk up here. L is up here. All right. All right. You. Come here. No, this one. This one. I want you. I'm looking, yes, at you. I brought you one. Open that thing up. Now, you were doing such a great job up here singing and worshiping. I'm going to see if you got some soul in you. Now, look, you see how that's got numbers on this side? That's the side that goes up, okay? You see the one that says number four right there? That's the one we're going to start on. Now, it makes the coolest sounds when you suck in. Listen, anybody can do this. Right? Anybody can do that. But I want you to do this. Can you do that? Try it. I mean, that's pretty good. Why don't you show him how to do it? sound bluesy though you gotta okay you gotta shake it while you're sucking in really hard okay so practice right. put it a little deeper like a little deeper in your mouth don't touch your te teeth but get close do it come on get in there now now do that again don't shake your head shake your hands like that with one hand. Now shake it with one hand. Hey, now we're getting there. All right, you ready? Y'all ready? Are you ready? So go. This little light of mine. have some fun this morning. Well, can't nobody do me like Jesus. There can't nobody do me like the Lord. If I had another one, I would give it to you. This young man in the blue shirt right there that's looking at me. I seen you looking at it. Is your mom or daddy here? You got anybody here? When's your birthday? When? March, that's too far away. Hey, there's a holiday coming up in, a, in about a week called July 4th. Ask for a, ask for a harmonica for the 4th celebration. All right? Go down to Guitar Center and tell them you want a blues harp in the key of C. 
And when I come back, that was a little low-key, little, you know, when I, when I invite myself back, I want to hear y'all playing these things, all right? All right. Rock Church, children, y'all can be dismissed to go down to class this morning. Thank y'all very much. I just like to have, if you can't have fun in the house of God, you got the wrong religion. <laughs> you better like a harmonica because when I get to heaven, I'm bringing mine with me. I'm just saying, I won't run out of breath up there. <laughs> well, how about we go to the word of the Lord this morning? This weekend is, as we talked about, it's a life planning seminar. It's stewardship weekend. I'm going to be preaching about money this morning. Now, there's some folks that won't even go to church because they think all we do is talk about money. Well, if you were here Friday night, you heard Brother Drury teaching that money and material things is mentioned 2,350 times in the Bible. You wouldn't like hearing Jesus preach then because he talked about it a bunch. He talked about how that we don't handle our money correctly. We like our stuff. You know, there was an American in, the, in the, the Gospels, didn't you? I'm pretty sure he was American. You know, there was this guy that came to Jesus and he said, Hey, Jesus, I've been in church all my life. I've checked every box. I've done everything right. Everybody knows I'm a Christian. It's on my Facebook page. And Jesus looks at him and says, Tell you what you do, boy. Go sell your mess. All that stuff that you think you have, but really it's got you. Won't you go sell that? Give it to people that need money. It said that old boy left because Jesus had said a hard thing. He liked his stuff. We Americans like our stuff. We pay millions of dollars a year to put our stuff in someone else's shed. I better get to the message. Y'all are like, he's meddling already. I'm going I'm I'm to treach this morning. Y'all know what treaching is? I bet your pastor treaches. It's where you start teaching and then get excited. Holler a little bit. Let's go. Galatians chapter 6 verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. You're going to get whatever you plant. This is one of the most often referred to scriptures in the Bible. Let me point out a very simple fact. Seed is designed to grow wherever it's planted. Seed is very important to God. I don't have time today to give you all of the scriptural references. I don't have time to give you every example in the Bible. I'm going to give you a lot of one-liners and I'm going to give you several scriptures today to show you how important seed is. The lesson is going to be entitled The Doctrine of Seed. Doctrine is the teaching of something, the core meaning of things that God wants to make sure we understand. Now, I'm going to blow your brains with this one. This picture shows a loaf of bread, right? Where does bread come from? Flour, wheat, seed that's been ground up. Just, just kind of simmer on that for a minute. Look at this verse, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. I'm going to read it in the New Living Translation. For God is the one who provides seed for the farmer and then bread to eat. In the same way, he will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. That's a pretty powerful verse. God is the supplier of all things. Whatever you have, you have it because he has let you have it. Seed. Seed is about the future. Seed is about what is sown today so that there will be a harvest down the road somewhere. 
The planting of seed requires planting. There is an expectation that comes with planting seed. If I go down at the hardware store and I get me some green beans and I go home and I stick them in those rows, I have an expectation. They better come up. When those seeds come up as sprouts, I expect that in a few weeks I'm going to be able to pick more green beans. I know this is rocket science, y'all. But sometimes it's the most simple things in the Bible that we miss. So when I refer to seed today, I want you to know I'm talking about things that help us survive tomorrow. Something that we set aside, something that we do, we intentionally place somewhere to provide for the future. When I talk about bread, bread is what we consume today so we can survive today. Some of y'all are already thinking about what you're going to eat for lunch. And the more I talk about it, the hungrier you're going to get. Because I'm the only thing standing between you and a loaf of bread. Just remember, I'm the only thing standing between me and a loaf of bread. (laughs) Bread is about what is consumed. It's about surviving today. I want to show you in this scripture how God has what I refer to as the priorities of substance. There's substance, there's stuff that he has set priorities for. For God, the first thing is about seed. It's about the future. Now, if I were to talk about our salvation, you would clearly understand this. We're here today because we are concerned about our future. I'm talking about our eternity. I want the Holy Ghost in my life so that I can be prepared for after I die. Right? We're planning for our long-term future. But when it comes to my flesh, my flesh doesn't like dealing with seed. My flesh likes today. Mm. Yeah, we're going to get there today. Here's a very profound statement. Everything is not supposed to be consumed. When you get your paycheck... You get your direct deposit in your account. Do you realize that when God sees it, he sees it as two different things? In that paycheck, there is seed and there is bread. When you get paid, you are not being handed a loaf of bread. You're being handed seed And bread. Hmm. I wonder how often we get that confused. And when we get paid, we think about what we can buy, what we can consume, what we can get right now. Some of y'all get paid and you're like, hey, we're going to the steakhouse. Got an amen corner right up here. I like this. But I'm going I'm to give you, I'm going to give you something to think about right now. The fastest way to die of starvation is to eat your seed. If a nation consumed every seed. That is grown today. It wouldn't take very long until there's no food left in the land. I want you to think about whatever gets consumed cannot be sown. If I take my paycheck and I consume all of it today. I am violating the word of God. God's going, wait a minute. I gave you some seed. You you were supposed to put some of that seed into the kingdom. And then you were supposed to put some of that seed into a savings account for your future because your water pump's going to go out. 
But no, we like to consume it all. Hmm. You realize that our appetite gets us in a lot of trouble. Our appetite is one of our enemies. We want to blame the devil. If you go back and you study the Old Testament, there's a story there where, where God's people, they were released from Egypt. They, they, they were brought out of there, and they're on their way to the promised land, and, and they were in the wilderness. And while they were traveling, they got hungry. And it was their appetite for the onions and cucumbers of Egypt that caused some of them to totally discount the blessings that were coming down the road. Because they were so hungry today. And thousands of them did not make it into the promised land because their appetite was out of line. And when their appetite was out of line, their attitude got out of line. They got hangry. They got hangry with leadership. And their appetite caused them to forget all about submission. You realize that debt is the result of appetite. Now, I, re I realize, y'all, I'm a lender, right? Just because I tell you you can afford something doesn't mean you need to buy it. When, when, I, was, when I was running the bank and people would come in for loans, y'all, I did loans for things that blew my mind. But it was not my place to decide whether or not the people should do it. My job was just to say whether or not they could. Boy, there's a big difference between should and could right there. You're wanting to buy what? And you know your kid's going to need braces? Hmm. Well, I got a little meddling spirit today, don't I? This appetite that we have, this is why we hate fasting. Pastor calls a fast. I don't need to fast. Yeah, you do. Met alone. See, whoo, I like. Okay. Wait, Pastor, he gets up and he says, I'm going to teach y'all about the Daniel fast. I got no idea. We've not had this conversation. I might be really meddling right now. You see, some people think the only fast you should ever do is the no food fast. But Daniel had, a, had another kind of fast. And the reason we don't like the Daniel fast is because for us, it's easier to say no to everything than just say no to a few things. It's easier to say, don't have a television in your home than it is to say, be careful, little lies, what you see. And to personally discipline ourselves. You got that big old buffet and all I'm supposed to eat is the green stuff on it. Fasting fights our appetite. And I'm not just talking about our food appetite. If you struggle to fast and you struggle to say no to those kind of things, you're probably struggling to say no to real temptations in your life. Hmm. I like that harmonica better. Go back to that thing. Yeah. Huh. Maybe... I don't know. Have you called a fast lately? I don't know. I'm feeling that right now. Maybe you need to. Ah. Okay. You realize that your personal spiritual breakthrough is going to come when you have disciplined yourself better. You can't be out here sowing wild oats and come to church and pray for a crop failure. How about say no to those things that your appetite is longing for? Then the blessings of God can flow. Hmm, I better keep going. Now, I want you to get this. you got to get this. God provides seed for the farmer and then bread. He will provide and increase your resources and then produce a great harvest of generosity in you. Now, right there, we get all sideways. 
Because we wanted it to stop with the word harvest. And then produce a great harvest of generosity. No, 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 God. I, I want a great harvest of bread. I want a great harvest of stuff. And God's going, no, 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 no. You see, what I want to do in you is bless you so you can be a blesser. You see, we want God to be the big blesser and we just be receivers. When he wants us to be sowers, not consumers. God does not bless you so you can just have more stuff. God blesses you so you can be generous. You see, what God is wanting his church to be is simply a conduit that his blessings can flow through. Not get dammed up somewhere with a big old pool of mess in your life. Hmm. You're right. It is a different message today than it was last night. Huh. A great harvest of generosity. How is it possible that I can get wealthy by giving everything away? Well, because the Word says so. Let me show you all some really crazy scriptures. Proverbs 11, chapter 11, verse 24, New Living Translation. Y'all check this out. Give freely and become more wealthy. That does not make a bit of American sense. Be stingy and lose everything, including relationships. Give freely. Now, I'm going to go ahead and, and, and bust something right square in the face this morning. There, there is some prosperity doctrine that gets taught in some churches out here in the world that I, I, I am so against. There, there's some of these, these folks that get up on, on their TVs. I'm blasting on that today. I don't know why, but here we are. And they're saying things like, if you will sow a seed of $100 in my ministry, God will give you $1,000. Hogwash. Because what that is doing is preying on the greediness of Americans. You mean if I give, I get? That's not how it's supposed to be. Our mentality should be, we give so you get. Again, we want Jesus to be the giver. If we're the body of Christ, we should be too. And this word right here tells me, if I will be generous, if I will give freely, I will always receive. You see, your giving makes room for more getting. So you can give more to get more to give more to get more to give more. This is not rocket science. It's the word. Let me show you another one. Let's go back to 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. I'm going to go back to the King James Version now. Now he that ministered seed to the sower, both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your. He just went and got spiritual. Now wait a minute. I, I, I thought that, that money and God were two separate things. Well, you know, God does care about your money. Because it's his competition. If you're not careful, money and materialism will become your God. You know how to make sure that money and materialism doesn't become your God? Make sure that it's always submitted to Him. When I was pastoring, and there was somebody in the church that was having a submission issue, I could go look in there on the tithing rolls and see where it was at. Because if your money's not submitted to God, your spirit won't be. You can't serve God and mammon, the Bible says. You can't serve God and your money and your stuff. God wants to bless you with stuff so you can serve Him and the kingdom better. Hmm. I want you to notice this connection between seed, bread, and righteousness. We want God to... Make sure that all of our spiritual needs are taken care of. And we want God to make sure our material needs are taken care of. But we don't like it when those two things come together. But they do. 
It's, it's, it's not a coincidence that the word tithing in the Bible literally means first fruits. First, it's what comes first. And we learn that seed comes first. Y'all, I would rather have a blessed 90% than an unblessed 100%. Now, let me just keep on meddling here. The Bible tells us that the love of money is the root of all evil. Well, you know that the love of other people's money is evil also. That's called greed. That's called coveting. We don't, we don't preach and teach a lot about coveting. You know it's one of the top ten rules, right? Ten commandments. Thou shalt not covet. Big King James word right there. That means to earnestly desire what God has given someone else. You get your focus on what other people have. Here's the danger of it. It will stir up jealousy in you. And envy. And then you'll become judgmental. Oh, you've been there. Your brother, your sister, somebody gets blessed. And your first thought is, well, what'd they do to deserve that? And then pastor comes in here and preaches this amazing message on grace, the unmerited favor of God, and how we, we get salvation, we get love even though we don't deserve it. And man, we're amen in that. But you let your brother or sister get blessed. They didn't deserve it, but God still blessed them, and now you're judging God's grace. Hmm. You start judging their blessings. Y'all, if you can't celebrate someone else's blessings, don't be surprised when yours never shows up. plowing deep today can you imagine being God's judge well you are every time you go they didn't deserve that God's going well who's you who are you to decide what they deserve or not you don't know that sacrificial offering they put in the stewardship campaign how many of y'all can document a blessing and you know it's because you gave sacrificially to the stewardship campaign. Raise your hand. We ought to have a shouting party right now because we rejoice with them that do rejoice. If you're getting blessed, I want to celebrate that. Now, I, I, I wish I could give credit to whoever it was I heard say this. Now, I didn't come up with this one on my own, but it's really good. A lot of times we sit on the pew, and our brother and sister down the row here is getting blessed, and we're over here going, I can't believe they got that blessing. I, I, I've worked, I've mowed the churchyard. <laughs> and we get all grumpy and all out of shape, and then we wonder why we're struggling with other things in our lives. You know what we ought to be doing? If my brother and sister sitting at the other end of my row is getting blessed, I ought to get real excited because that means the blessings are at least on my row. They in the neighborhood. I don't know when mine's coming, and I don't care. I'm just glad my brother and my sister is getting the blessings. My, my, my. You know what that is, really? When you start judging blessings, that's a poverty mentality. You want other people to stay broke because you're broke. No, how about you put in the same disciplines that they put in that got those blessings to flow in their life? Then you'll have blessings coming. Now, God is not under any obligation to bless any greedy person. He can bless whoever he wants to bless. But I've got scripture that tells me that if I'll be a free giver, he'll be a free giver. He may not bless with money. He doesn't have to. He might bless with health. He might bless with working out a situation that you can't even figure out how to work out. I don't care how his blessings flow. I just want to make sure that my life is in proper alignment so that when his blessings do start flowing, they come naturally. Please don't judge God's blessings. Whew. 
I'm going to say it again. My brother's blessing is the reason for me to have a shouting fit. You come to church, I just don't feel like worshiping today. If he's still God, you... And if you need a reason to praise him, and you don't think your breath is enough, then how about I check with my brothers and sisters, hey, have you had anything amazing happen this week? Has God blessed you this week? And the first one that tells you, yeah, you know what? I had this crazy thing. I got a $50 check in the mail. I don't know where it came from. Somebody just decided to send me a cash blessing. Woo, praise God. I got a reason to celebrate today. Right, we're the body of Christ, right? And we're all in this together, right? So if the hand gets blessed, that means the foot should celebrate it. All right, I'm going to keep going. Look, look at this verse. Proverbs eleven twenty five. New Living Translation. I mean, I'll do Acts 2, 45. You won't be to. They don't like that verse. Proverbs eleven twenty five. The liberal soul shall be made. And he that watereth shall be watered also himself. The liberal soul. New Living puts it this way. The generous will prosper. And those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. If you need God to do something in your life, go do something for someone else. I just wonder what would happen. If we really understood that our time, our talents, and our treasures are all things that we can be blessings with. I, I, don't, I don't know what all goes on at this church. Y'all got a lot of stuff going on. And there's some of y'all volunteer a lot of your time to make sure all that happens. But I felt in prayer that not everybody is. Don't be stingy with your time. If you've got elders that can't come to church because they're at home, don't depend on the pastor to go sit with them. Y'all both have the same amount of time. And you know his is really, what's a good fancy word here? Encumbered. <laughs> Say, well, I'm busy too. Think about that poor sister sitting at home that can't come to church. And she would love for you to come invest your time in her life. Maybe you don't have money to give. You don't have to have money to be a blesser. You know what kids love? Time. Now I know they want you to buy stuff for them. I've, I've officiated a lot of funerals. A lot of them. And I always like having family get up and talk about their loved ones. Brother Dornbach, you know what I've never heard said at a funeral? I've never heard anybody tell a story about how their loved one bought something for them. But I have heard stories about how loved ones spent time with them. Huh. What about your talents? I'm not talking about musical talent right now. I'm talking about your skills and abilities, things that you use in the workforce. Why not use that in the kingdom? If, you're, if, if on your job you're an organizer, you're a planner, you're a get-it-done person, you ought to be an organizer, a planner, and a get-it-done person in the kingdom of God. God did not give you your abilities just so you can bless the world and the job and the place you work. God gave it so you can bless this church and the kingdom and this region. I, the, full disclosure, this is the pastor about to come out in me, and I'm sorry. But these two right here shouldn't have to do everything in the church. They shouldn't have to be in charge of everything in the church. If you're really going to grow like God wants you to grow, it's going to take all hands on deck. You don't have to give me more just because I said that. That's, that's a really inside joke right there. Huh. I wonder what would happen. If this church, I mean with everything you are and you have, became the generous people that God wants you to be. Now, 
If you have no problem blessing someone out there, but you struggle to bless someone in here, you have a forgiveness issue. If there's somebody in this room that you would struggle to give money to because of something that was said back then or done back then or what, that's a forgiveness issue. Mm. So I told this last night, I'm going to tell it again today. I, I, I taught this lesson right here at a, at a church somewhere between the Atlantic and the Pacific. And the Lord showed me a young lady sitting about halfway back and pressed upon me that she needed some money. So I got a $20 bill out and I took it back there to her and I said, God wants to bless you today. And I turned around and I said, there's some folks here that, that God wants you to bless this young lady right here. A few people got up, went and took her some money. She was crying. It was amazing. It was awesome. I get back up to the pulpit and the Holy Ghost spoke to me. Showed me a lady back there in the corner. She stood out to me. The Lord showed me how that if that lady would bless that young lady, then God could open up blessings in their life. I didn't want to embarrass her. I didn't want to single her out. So I just said, well, you know, the Holy Ghost just showed me that there's, there's somebody here that you were prompted to give money and you didn't because of some issue between people. That lady jumped up. She had a wad of cash in her hand. She walked over and sat down there by that young lady. And I mean, she laid it on her lap, and their money fell everywhere. They started crying, bawling, hugging. The, the young lady's mom was sitting there, and she started crying, and the people were hugging. I thought, man, that's awesome. I felt you know, that release in the Holy Ghost. I knew something was, I didn't know what all, but after service, the pastor come to me, and he said, that whole thing that just happened right there? He said, those two families have been fighting for years. I've done everything I could to try to get them to reconcile. He said, you walk in here and pull that little stunt. He said, I've never seen that family pray together. Restoration happened because someone decided to be a giver, not a cursor. Oh, I know. I, know. I, I can sense it. I've never cussed in my life. Yeah, you have. You not, may not have used those certain words, but you've said evil things about people. Why don't we start speaking blessings into people's lives? He that watereth shall be watered. Huh. If you refresh others, you will be refreshed. That means if there's someone in need, and you can help meet that need, that means your needs are going to get met. And I'm going to be honest, I kind of feel that in here right now. I felt this a little bit last night. I really feel it now. That there's some folks in here, you need to bless someone in this room. It could be with your money. It can be with your words. It can be with your time. But pride and a lack of forgiveness is stopping you. You want to have real revival? Now, I came with this message right here. But a couple of days ago, the Lord began to deal with me a prophetic word for this church. I even told Brother Dornbach, I was like, I know I'm supposed to teach that. I got this other thing. I got to figure out how to put them together. Well, the Lord put them together for me. You see, when you line up with all these scriptures and you line up with the Bible, you have what I refer to as divine alignment. Everything's right this way with the word. And when everything's right this way, that means everything's right this way. Right? So when you have divine alignment, then God will bless you with what I refer to as divine leverage. You know what leverage is? Leverage is when you, uh, let's say there's something you need to lift and you can't, you're not strong enough to just to pick it up. You go get a crowbar. You go get a lever. And you use that, and when you use that, you can actually lift this heavy thing. You just, you, there's, a, there's a definition here I want to I get on today. It's called having maximum advantage. I can have advantage over this heavy thing when I use the right lever. I'm going to give you a Bible story to illustrate this. There stood little David. 
Anybody here ever heard of the story of David and Goliath? Little bitty old young, weak David. Big old nine foot tall Goliath, the ultimate warrior, the enemy. But David's life was in proper alignment. And because his life was in proper alignment, he had leverage over the giant. We know the story how that with just a sling and a stone, he hit Goliath right in the head, knocked him down, ran over, grabbed his sword, and whacked his head off. What a cool story. Because David, my goodness, David was not measuring Goliath against him. He was measuring old Goliath up against the God of heavens. That's why he said, oh, you come to me with a sword and a spear? That ain't nothing. I come against you in the name of the Lord. All of a sudden, his divine alignment gave him divine leverage, gave him maximum advantage over his enemy. And just like that, his enemy was defeated. God wants to loose this church to have divine leverage over every evil spirit, over every situation, over every sickness, over every disease. And you will have divine leverage when everything is in divine alignment. It could be you don't have maximum advantage over your personal enemies because you've got enmity, you've got an issue between you and someone in the church. There's alignment that's out of line. I don't know, me and God's got it all worked out. Well, do you and your brothers and sisters? Remember, it was Jesus that said, hey, before you leave your offering, you got something wrong with someone else, go work it out in love and forgiveness. You know what forgiveness is? Forgiveness is when you choose to let go of your right to retaliate. That's the Old Testament definition of forgiveness. Because in the Old Testament, they had this rule called eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Uh They had the legal right that if you put my eye out, I got to come put your eye out. And we get in our crazy minds that that still applies today. That don't apply today. They had the legal right to retaliate. Mm, I'm fixing to help someone. This handkerchief right here is the legal terminology. I want you to pretend for a minute that everything written on this handkerchief describes my right to retaliate against you for what you did and what you said. But today, I'm going to choose forgiveness because I understand that forgiveness properly aligns me. I am going to let go. You cannot receive from God if you've got a closed fist against your brother or sister or anyone else. I don't know who I'm helping right now, but please hear me. That person might even be dead. It might be hard. What that person did to you was wrong. But God is calling you to divine alignment today. Because he wants to bless you. And all he needs you to do is make that choice. It's exactly what Jesus did on the cross. Forgive them, they know not what they do. And when Jesus... Hung there on that cross. He had the right to send every one of us to hell. And every one of us are now recipients of the undeserved grace of God. And all he's asking us to do is be like him. Of course it's hard. I watched a lady one time. I was at a conference, this lady, she was 
the service was over. The musicians had already stopped. This one lady was still back there just praying, seeking God. She had a friend there with her, and I walked back. And I could tell the lady was struggling with her prayers, so I stopped her. I said, ma'am, stop, stop praying for a minute. Sometimes that's what you need to do with people. Just stop, stop praying for a minute. I said, I can tell you're, 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 you're wanting the Holy Ghost. You're wanting God to bless you, but you're struggling in this. She said, yeah, I am. I said, who do you need to forgive? And so I taught her that little thing right there real quick. I, I got my handkerchief out. Thankfully, I hadn't used it yet. I got my handkerchief out, and I said, on this handkerchief is written every single thing that person did wrong to you. I want you to hold it in your hand. Man, she took that. She got white-knuckled. I could see her face getting red, anger coming up. I said, let's work on forgiveness right now. I talked with her about it. She opened up some things, and I said, when you feel you finally can, I want you to let go of your right. They're still wrong. You're not saying that what they did to you is right now. What you're saying is you choose. Let it go. Let it go. Now you're free. Free to receive the blessings of God. God wants to give this church a pressed down, shaken together, and running over revival. What that means is, in every single one of your lives, He wants each of you to experience that pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Now, last night in the congregation, I felt like there was a lid on some people's lives, a lid called fear. This morning with this group, I feel like it's a lid of unforgiveness. How can God release an overflowing revival in your life when you put a lid of unforgiveness because of something you have against someone? Each one of these Kleenexes is like my hanky. I'm just going to let the Holy Ghost work right now. I don't know who all needs it. You need one too? Go ahead. I dare say that every single one of us needs one of these. I'm not just singling these people out. Won't you help me pass them out? I wonder what, if we would let it go today, what God would start pouring out. I feel, I feel excitement in my spirit right now because I know we've tapped in. We've tapped into the very thing. God wants to bless you. Please don't give him a reason to hold back. Open yourself up. I had a lady in the church. Her dad had abused her as a child. He'd been dead for about 10 years. She came to me. She said, what am I supposed to do about that? I can't go to him and forgive him. He was buried in a state long way away from there. She, said, I, she even told me, she said, I'll go to his grave if I need to, but I, I, I don't, it's too far away. I said, tell you what you do. Write him a letter. Put it in an envelope, seal it. Slide it under my door. I'll never read it. But I want you to feel what it feels like to release it. I did that for someone at a funeral one time. And I watched that lady 
put an envelope in the casket. And it was that person's release letter. It's powerful stuff. I just wonder what blessing is this close to you. And that distance is something as simple. I came to preach about money. We covered that. Now I'm reaching for your soul. Sister Jackie, you want to go to the piano? Brother Dornbach, I'm telling you, I feel, I feel this church is this close. Now for some people it's there. I can see the pots running over. But it's not for everybody right now. But it can be in about 10 minutes. There, there's a picture that y'all showed during the altar time yet last night I saw. It said something like, you're one prayer away. Oh, all it takes is one prayer. Lord Jesus, I know you're speaking to your people right now because you love them and you want to bless them. And you've led them to the point this morning where they're just a simple act of forgiveness away from your blessings. God, I declare that pressed down, shaken together, and running over revival for Refuge Church in this region. And I believe it shall be for every person who is in proper alignment with you and the church. God, I pray right now that every person that you're speaking to will respond to your voice, your tongue, your call, that compelling that they feel in their lives right now to go ahead and forgive and move forward in their life of blessing that you have for them. I want us to repent together right now. I want us to repent of maybe you've got some jealousy, you've got some envy, you've got some greed. Maybe repent today of refusing to forgive. Oh God, Lord, we're just humans. And I know that's no excuse, God, but sometimes our flesh gets in our way. God, forgive us, Lord, of jealousy and envy, greed. Forgive us, oh God, of coveting. Forgive us, oh God, of refusing to forgive those that have wronged us. some of y'all right now need to get up from where you're at and you need to come release that that Kleenex at an altar say God I'm giving it to you I, I can't bear the weight of that anymore come on be a man today come on be a strong lady today freedom and forgiveness there's so much freedom and forgiveness you can have joy you can have peace you can sleep at night